What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunked. My name is Scott, coming at you live from my home studio. I wasn't able to make it down to T-Lab Studios this evening, but uh, yeah, I got I got some new stuff in the background, so we're trying to make this work. So anyway, you guys, super excited about tonight's episode. Uh, I've got uh, one of the legends in the house tonight, but uh, before we get too far into it, I just want to shout out a couple ways you can follow and support the show. Uh, let's see here. Where are we at? Rebunked. Rebunked.news, you guys. That's the website. Uh, if you're a new, new listener, go over there and sign up for the email list on the little pop-up that we get notifications about when we go live. Um, and then you'll see all the video platforms we're on, uh, Rockfin, Bandot Video, Odyssey, Rumble, BitChute. Uh, make sure you subscribe so that you can listen on the go on any podcast player. Just type in Rebunked and it should pop up. Um, and then uh, Telegram is the best way to follow anything that's uh, going on here. I'm, I'm usually in there chatting it up with the people. So t.me forward slash rebunked pod. And then, of course, there's uh, value for value donation options there at the bottom of the page. Um, the T-shirt shop. That's another great way to support the show. Rebunk.news forward slash shirts. We've got all kinds of different designs brought to you by Big Frog T-shirts in Beaverton, Oregon, who are listeners of the show. So you're actually helping support a liberty-minded t-shirt shop by getting your rebunked apparel at rebunk.news forward slash shirts. A um, couple ways to support. We got a give, send, go going on there. Um, and you can find links to these on the main page, rebunk.news. We've got the subscribe star if you guys want to hop in on a monthly basis. And then uh, check out the Last American Vagabond Substack. So I've been put in charge of that. So you guys, all this content here, we're basically aggregating Ryan's content and uh, creating articles surrounding it, making little mini documentaries. So go check out the uh, Last American Vagabond Substack, tlavagabond.substack.com. And then the last couple of things are just, of course, Truth TRS Heavy Metal Detox Spray for uh, the, all the crazy toxins that have accumulated in our bodies. This really helps eliminate that. And then, uh, again, also in uh, link in the description for Richard Grove's Autonomy Course. So you hear me talking about that a lot. If you guys are interested in learning more about that, click the link in the description, and that will take you to the page where you can do the obstacle course. So, all right, guys, without further ado, I'm going to bring in uh, the man himself. Almost needs no introduction, but uh, Jason Burmis. How you doing, man? Uh, very good. How you doing, sir? Excellent, man. Thank you so much for uh, being here this evening. Um, so last time we connected was when I was doing the show Truthzilla. Uh, grateful to have you here on the new show. Uh, man, you've just been uh, you know, really crushing it out there these days, just really getting the information out there regarding just the nonsense, man. Like I look to you for a lot of this. Uh, you know, I was actually having a conversation with somebody earlier today, and they're kind of like skeptical, right? They're uh you know, I would say like probably more conservative, but I would say skeptical. And, and they're like, so what is going on? What do you think is going on? And I'm like, well, they're kind of trying to like phase out humans, period. Like, like they, they feel like we are just awful, dirty, gross, obsolete uh, pieces of old machinery that needs to be phased out. And there needs to be a new uh, species brought in. And they're looking at me like, you're crazy. I'm like, I know it sounds crazy, but this is like not my words. This is literally what they say. Like, this is their plan. So anyway, so I know that you've been doing a lot of coverage on this. And so I really want to get into it a little bit, but, uh, I mean, for anybody that may not be familiar, do you want to give us a little bit of your backstory? Sure. You know, uh, I'm just somebody that kind of got involved post nine 11 fell into documentary filmmaking. I'm one of the guys that made loose change. I followed that up with fabled enemies. Uh, that kind of brought me into the Alex Jones Infowars universe where I was the first person to ever get a uh, show over at InfoWars, and he nice. produced 
another film I did called Invisible Empire, A New World Order Defined. And I also made a documentary after that called Shade the Motion Picture. I've been in and out of the indie journalism field uh, ever since then. I've worked for organizations like We Are Change. And I've been lucky enough um, to go solo on my own and just recently got picked up by Red Voice Media, where we're doing a Monday through Thursday, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. show, which has been great so far. That's awesome, man. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, you know, Rose looking for ways to innovate and and build and and just especially around censorship proof platforms like that. That seems to be the future. So good, good on Red Voice Media for stepping up, you know, and and building that infrastructure to give us, you know, people like us a voice, you know, in the, in, in the world. Because like, man, as you know, like it's getting crazier, and I feel like the next phase of this operation is going to be more degrees of censorship that we haven't seen, you know what I mean? Like at the, like the, the server levels and stuff and then uh, the attacks like we've never seen before. So anything we can do in any platform that's out there trying to, you know, preempt all that and, and build resilient infrastructure to allow us to keep speaking, whatever the, you know, whatever they want to throw at us, that's good on them, man. So that's awesome. So uh, I wanted to ask you first before we get too far into it. Um, so last week we were supposed to connect last week and uh, you had some internet outages and I was like, okay, so of course that was the day after the election. So do you, did that get your conspiracy bells ringing at all? Do you think that there was like, like just whether or not you live in an area that may have been targeted by something like that, or do you think just general internet service outages around the time of a vote of an election? Do you think that there's any correlation there at all? Uh, you know, specifically with mine, I would doubt it. Now I'm in an area that's on the border of Illinois, although I'm in Iowa, uh, there wasn't much uh, talked about about the Iowa elections yeah. in the terms of fraud. And it's fiber. It's great. It's a gig up. It's a gig down. Usually it's ultra fantastic. But I would say once out of every like three to four months, it does go out. I've never had it go out for like the seven plus hours it did. The last record was five. Uh, but I, I think it, it just happened to be a coincidence. I was also... Okay not only supposed to do your show, but I was supposed to interview Ian Crossland oh, of the yeah. Tim cast podcast. And as of yet, I haven't been able to reconnect, but I was able to interview Roger stone uh, earlier today. Cool. And we're going to be airing that exclusively on the morning show tomorrow. So I'm pretty pumped about that as well. Cool. And right on. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, so who knows, man, who knows what they're going to do again. That's one of that. We know that that's in their playbook, you know, to just, just full on internet outage. So, um, uh, along those lines, if you see what, what are your thoughts on this whole like rollout of like, like actual, like, uh, financial platforms getting on board with the central bank digital currency rollout. Do you see that? Yeah. Well, the CBDC yeah. has been something that's been discussed for a very long time. It's one yeah. of the reasons, uh, from the outset, I've been skeptical of crypto as some kind of a savior or a wedge against the uh, central banking cartels and international banking cartels. At a moment's notice, a cryptocurrency can literally be regulated out of existence. And then on top of that, the system can, of course, be gamed by those that hold that cryptocurrency. Uh, I'm not dismissing the technology. I'm not saying the technology doesn't hold uh, certain aspects that could empower humanity, but what are they moving towards? A central bank digital currency of total track tra trace database through the blockchain and not in a concept where, as in Bitcoin, there's a limited amount. There mm -hmm. is an infinite amount of these coins, tokens, crypto. 
And in that sense, they can also be programmed as to what they can be spent on and where they can be spent. We already see the World Economic Forum pushing cryptocurrencies and the blockchain to run the World Food Program and their refugee camps. You know, this was one of their little like square box videos that we all see and get nauseous to as you hear like the bells in the back, you know? And they're so nonchalant about it, but that program is expanding. So it doesn't shock me at all. Um, Even this FDX debacle obviously um, allows the government to come in more and regulate that space more. And the problem is, again, even if it were started with the best of intentions, a.k.a. Bitcoin, which I'm not sure it was, it is going to be a, a tool to manage and control human beings on the digital level and maybe even get into not just the Internet of Things and these banking systems and social credit scores that have been discussed, but the Internet of Bodies as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which ties into the whole great narrative, World Economic Forum, Fourth Industrial Revolution agenda to begin with. I was just like so shocked to see that like these like Visa, Mass- I can't remember the actual names, but it was like those types of guys, like like these actual financial institutions really just pushing it. You know, I mean, they're they're going to be the ones probably obviously they're going to be the the backbone of it if it were to come to fruition. But I mean, that's crazy that they're actually like signaling and they're proud of it. You know, I mean, I mean. I just don't understand why people don't make that connection that, well, I mean, I guess I understand. I mean, there's lots of fluorides and vaccines floating around in their bodies right now. That's making it hard to connect these dots, but man, it's like right there in front of us. You know what I mean? And so I don't know in my life, like we're working on like building community because obviously, you know, if that were to roll out, we're like, you know, full black market, you know, gray markets, barter and trade. Like we're just going back to, you know, just like figuring out how to, how to make it outside of that system. Cause it's just like, it's just crazy, man. Um, so challenging the great narrative, like, like your coverage on this has been, uh, you know, key in all this, man. Like, uh, so we saw the great reset roll well, the fourth industrial revolution, right. That, that was talked about like pre COVID. And then we see the great reset coming out and then we have this great narrative. Like, what the heck is that? Like, what would be like your, uh, overview, uh, explanation of what this great narrative is now? Cause I think that a lot of people haven't quite picked up on this one yet. Yeah, the great narrative is basically the management and control of what we are allowed to discuss regarding reality. And it is done so in a way that we truly live in what I would call a post-truth world and what they're discussing as a post-truth world. So how is this accomplished? Well, you use pre-positioned authoritative sources to put out and script these narratives that are acceptable. Then when unacceptable narratives come out, whether they're based in fact or not, they're immediately challenged by these authoritative sources. They're either outright censored altogether. They're um, uh, de-escalated in the algorithm so they don't reach as many people. Or they're simply smeared as untrue again and again and again. So that's really what the great narrative is. It is this post-truth world. It goes from misinformation to disinformation and now malinformation Mm -hmm. and malinformation admittedly is truthful information, but it hurts the interests of the United States. We've gone from a society of not just fact checking and debunking, but now pre-bunking is the new thing that is being adopted by big tech platforms such as Twitter and YouTube in regards to just these past elections in the midterms. 
So that to me is the, the I know it's a, a little contrived there. That's the way you can describe this great narrative. The great narrative is the one that is pushing this globalist agenda. And anything that would challenge that great narrative is now debunked, deplatformed, or censored completely. I mean, yeah, I mean, their, their censorship is really going to be their biggest, uh, their biggest tool against us because here at this show, we're rebunking all that stuff, right? They, they keep making all these claims or they keep coming at our claims saying, oh, that's debunked. Well, you know, you fast forward a couple of years, all the stuff that they were saying years ago, well, it's all pretty much mainstream news now. So, you know, really all they have is just censorship, vilifying, you know, the messenger and it's just, uh, you know, but I think it's, I, in my life, I feel like we're breaking through. I feel like we're making headway. I think people are waking up in droves. I think people, this is, this information is reaching people, but then like you see something like this, this last election, for example, and I'm just like, I'm so far out of like the two party, like election, this and that, man, I'm just so far out of this. You know what I mean? But it's still worth taking a look at from the sense that like, okay, so it's really literally exactly half of the country still asleep and buying into this. Or, you know, is, is there, I mean, is the, is the election theft trickery, is that like to the extreme? Cause I, I would say like, if you were to walk up to any like group of people, a hundred people, you know, 90% of them would be like, no, things are totally fucked up right now. Like, and, and, and the people in charge are the ones fucking up. Why would we keep voting for the ones that are in charge? So like, what are your thoughts on that specifically? Do you think that this last election in particular, again, or was it just a, a massive amount of just crazy theft, fraud, deception, or do you really think that half the people are really still asleep? Well, when we're saying asleep, I think that yeah, way yeah. more than half the people are asleep okay. for the okay. actual agenda. That's one thing. True. But as to whether or not half of the voting public is still asleep to the manner that they would keep empowering these people, I don't believe that at all. I think that the yeah. infrastructure has been set up as such for more and more corruption over the past two decades First, with the implementation of these machines, not just Dominion, but Diebold in the past. And that's been utilized on various levels, in my opinion, uh, in big elections. And I think they tried to utilize that in 2016, but Trump's margin was just too great. Mm -hmm. You bring in COVID-1984, you bring in the mail-in ballots, you bring in now ballot harvesting as a regular practice, you give really no means for people to audit these results. You have suspect machines, and now you're in that post-truth world, right? You've empowered yeah. a system of total and complete corruption. You point those things out. They say you don't have standing, and then they say everything's been debunked. There's no evidence, and then you have your great narrative, right? Mm -hmm. And the narrative now is that the country is still completely split apart. In fact, the conservatives don't even want Trump to run. That's a bullshit narrative. You know, I, I've traveled the country. I speak at the Reawaken America tour. Mm -hmm. I have eyes to see. I said this on my broadcast today. Donald Trump is the most popular president of my lifetime, period. And I'm 43 years old. I can even remember a Reagan presidency. He was pretty popular, you know, pretty popular. But at the same time, not to the cult-like level of Trump. Barack Obama? He started out as the Barack star. You know, you, you could argue that maybe in the beginning, he kind of had that Trump magic that faded over eight years as the veil was lifted uh, so much so that many people wanted a change. And you ended up influxing this Trump era of politics. 
Trump has only gotten more popular the more vilified he has been. I believe he's more popular than he was in the first election after 2020. And in my opinion, it obviously being stolen. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe this hype that so many people want him to step back. Guys like me that have questioned his effectiveness uh, from the very beginning may have wanted him not to get involved in this race. But that comes from a standpoint of his failures with his administration and the fact that even if you did elect this guy with what we've seen in 2020 and now 2022, I would argue in places like Arizona and Georgia and others, how do we know we haven't fixed the system? I assume Kerry Lake won by 10%, maybe 20% in a landslide. Yeah. I also assume that Donald Trump probably cleared 48, if not all 50 states. Well, that wasn't a narrative that would be allowed to not only get out into the public arena, but then resonate with people for people to realize that populism does um, have a place in this country and is popular and um, is something that more and more people want. So I, I truly believe that these elections now, you can't believe, you know, I had Patrick Byrne on earlier mm -hmm. this week. I had Craig Pasta, Jardula, both, uh, both guys that are very involved in the electoral system. And, and they've just flat out said it. These are the most corrupt elections we've ever seen. Yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear, man. And it's, uh, oh man, I'm getting that echo again, but that's all right. That's all right. I'll try and focus here. So anyway, so well, maybe it's something. All right. Anyway. Um, yeah, man, it's just pretty clear that there's no, there's no political solution to this at this point. I don't think, man, like, I just don't think, I mean, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you hear that all the time, but I'm just like, at what point do we just say, man, like, we just got to like, you know, figure out our own little communities here, man. Like, or, or do we just, I mean, what do we do? Like, is there any way to dig ourselves out of this? Well, I think the first thing that you have to do is you kind of have to look in the mirror and say, what am I going to do for me and my yeah. family? And a lot of that comes down to your preparedness and how, um, close you are to your community, to the people around you, how well you can work together in times of crises and how independent you can be on every um, level of your life. I think that's all extremely important. And I would love to say that we can get our constitutional republic back and then we can get yeah. back to one person, one vote. Uh, but the problem is that our checks and balances system has failed us, the judicial, the executive, and the legislative. We really have an executive within an executive and it has gained more and more power since World War II. It has taken on a model of compartmentalization. And now we truly are, in my uh, estimation, at the behest of that scientific elite that we were warned about via Eisenhower's military industrial complex speech. So you ask, well, do we just have to be prepared for some kind of secondary society? I'll say this, when, when I study these people that are into the command and control systems and the UBI and even the transhumanism, they do often talk about these subsections that don't go along with the program and kind of create their own communities. And uh, I've heard it referred to as DIY on steroids. I just wonder how long that will be allowed to last because as you bring in more and more automation and more and more robotics and you demonize more and more of the populace as potential terrorists, mm. you would think eventually you'll see um, those, you know, modes of control, AKA the robots being used 
to control humans and basically militarily take them out if necessary after they've been demonized. And as much as I believe in humanity and I'm a kick-ass and, and take names kind of person, I don't know how well we fare even against the DARPA dogs that we see today, let alone any kind of technology that is uh, more souped up than that, uh, especially the stuff from the sky. I mean, let's let's be honest. Right now in Ukraine, uh, a large level of that warfare is happening via Starlink and then via its cousin Blackjack and uh, the Ghost and Sidewinder drones it connects to. You don't have really much of a chance against the Sidewinder drone, you know, that's not a person. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, definitely fair point. So who knows, man? So uh, that that's funny that you bring up the Starlink piece because that was kind of where I was going to go next with this. So it seems like, you know, I, you've done an awesome coverage of this, like just the whole Elon thing. Like, what the heck is going on with this? Like, it seems like, OK, so Elon, on the one hand, is being propped up as like the savior of free speech. And he's like, you know, the new conservative guy that's going to save the world and all this stuff. And then, but at the same time, you look at his history and his funding and what he's involved in. And it's like literally every aspect of the great reset, fourth industrial revolution, great narrative is, is what he is not only involved. In, I mean, it's just like, how do you reconcile the two? And so uh, like, I guess basically I'm at a point right now where it's like, okay, so if Twitter's going to open up a little bit and allow me for a little bit of free speech, I'm going to utilize it for the time being to promote the show. But then am I just buying into it by doing that? I'm, I'm just going to take advantage of a little bit of freedom that they give me just for now. But I'm not going to like be like, oh, thank you, Elon. You know, you're my savior. But what are you? OK, obviously, I know your thoughts on it. We could spend a whole episode on this. But but what what is your your take on this uh, deification of Elon? Is that I mean, that's just to me, that just seems like part of the agenda. But what are your thoughts on it? No, I think it's absolutely 100 percent completely absurd. Uh, I, I I would say that you're correct when you say he is basically behind every single part of the great reset agenda and you have like a klaus Nutschwab being set up as the uh demonic type bond villain and then you have elon musk being set up like the tony Hart, uh the tony stark iron man type savior uh but i actually wrote a piece a uh, cover story for the rc reader five reasons why elon musk should not be trusted i would encourage Damn. people to check it out but he clicks every single box of this fourth industrial revolution. He's bringing you the human brain interfaces, AKA the brain chip. Klaus Schwab has openly endorsed that aspect of um, basically this biological takeover of humanity. Automation, UBI, he's got his Optimus bot. While he introduces the Optimus bot, he literally said, don't worry, we're gonna be able to have anything we want. The robots are gonna make us so we can have anything we want and we know that anytime they promise you technology that is so incredible that all of a sudden it's going to cure every disease and you're going to get everything you want, that's pie-in-the-sky bullshit. That never comes to fruition. So on top of, you know, those two aspects of it, you know, he's a military contractor. He's mm -hmm. the DOD's largest contractor. He was trying to pick fights with Putin on Twitter and social media before this really escalated. And then Starlink uh, already has a backdoor to the Defense Department in it. It's It uh, has a sister um, spy satellite called um, the Blackjack Program. There are Mandrake satellites, but they all launch from SpaceX, which is his baby. What do they What do they want you to look at? They want we launched. We went to the moon. We're going to the moon. Artemis launched last night. Woo! 
We sent a dummy and Snoopy and a rocket to go around the moon. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> That's a big maybe right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what? I'm more apt to believe it's a possibility yeah. uh, because we don't have human beings or biological life on there. But rockets in general, the idea that we don't have other types of propulsion systems, even these satellites that i'm talking about starlink blackjack mm -hmm. you have a slew of other nano satellites that are utilizing different materials and different types of propulsion systems and you have ion propulsion systems that have patents out there uh many people have seen the t3b type patents you know uh you have nuclear reactor patents that are in the mix what they've done behind the scenes via nasa darpa and black sites uh, that are numerous, not just Area 51, is probably in many cases unimaginable to you yeah. and I and the general populace. And we always have to keep that in mind when a lot of this technology is being rolled out. When one person is rolling out all these things at once, and again, it's being spun in this Bernaysian fashion that it's going to be used to empower humanity, but you can easily look at a guy like Klaus Schwab in the gang and realize he's trying to enslave humanity with it. That's kind of the trick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so if these folks, I mean, I love the idea of like, you know, using technology to, to innovate and elevate humanity. Like it seems like there is no reason why we couldn't solve all the world's hunger. You know, we can make fertile land out of deserts. You know, we could actually um, provide food and electricity for everybody in the world. No problem. And there's no, there's no like uh, overcrowding. I mean, if you spend any amount of time in any rural area, you know, I'm in Nashville. Like if you go 10 miles outside of the city, it's just, you know, open lands everywhere. I'm sure in Iowa, it's just, you know, open land everywhere. You know, we wouldn't, we're not running out of land anytime soon. You know, we could grow food on like every square inch of this place and feed everybody. There's no reason why we can't do that. And not in like a monocrop type of way. They, they intentionally like utilize their positions to suppress this technology, to suppress human innovation that helps promote humanity. You know, we're, and so we're stuck in this place where we're just like, you know, and they talk about, you know, finding alternative energy to oil. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. But you can't get rid of oil before you have that technology in place. It's just absolutely insane. And so the disempowerment of humanity is just uh, it, it's so frustrating because I feel like there's no reason why we couldn't thrive and surpass, uh, you know, where we're at right now using whatever technology there is. So uh, have you heard of a. Uh, Elon's Project X. Are you familiar with this whole thing? I am. You, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because I feel like, you know, I've heard him talk about it in the context of like an overarching app that like controls everything. But what, what are some of the dangers with that, do you think? Well, the model would be WeChat, yeah. which is largely utilized over in China. And it's the everything app. So automatically, your device is linked to you. This could get into the internet of bodies as there is certainly... Uh, certain types of biometric data that is also uh, stored on this, but it's also linked to your bank accounts. So through this, you can make any type of purchase. You can post to various social media platforms. Um, it is the everything app. And a lot of people have said, once you have an everything app, just like in China, if you do something that goes against the party or the state or the great narrative, all of a sudden you can be deplatformed from your banking systems. And these could be more than banking systems. Earlier, we talked about blockchain technology. This could literally be a tool or a crypto wallet on top of it where you get your tokens every 
week or month and you have to spend them in certain areas it also because it has gps can geolocate you you may be only be able to use these tokens in certain areas restricting your movement there are a massive amount of dangers within everything app mm -hmm. that has biometric identifiers that is linked into your finances and eventually squeeze you out of other options in other words you're with this banking firm but they don't have physical banking it's only through this app. So the more that they consolidate power, the more danger you see in projects like the X app or the everything app. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like what they base their social credit score system off of in, in China, right? Don't they run that off of the WeChat platform? Like, isn't that uh, the fun? And then the, I think I read something about like Ant Financial, like the Alibaba, like there's some correlation there too. But uh, but yeah, man, so it just seems like, you know, we're trying to move into a decentralized world. And so, you know, and then here he is like talking about how we're trying to centralize all of these key aspects, which are perfectly in alignment with the agenda. So I don't know, man. Uh, what do you think is the future of Twitter? Do you think that this is uh, setting up, you know, I've heard talk of like, you know, the on-ramp to the the internet ID or something like that, you know, with this like blue check checkmark uh, situation. Um, I mean, what, what do you think is going on with the whole Twitter situation? It's a tough, it's a tough thing to talk about because first of all, $44 billion, I don't care how rich you are, just to be able to make that purchase and even with other investors, that's huge, that's suspect. The fact that he was able to mobilize certain things rather quickly, such as you can buy a blue check mark, but at the same time, wasn't able to stop fact checks and moderators from uh, talking about the midterm elections and fake news, et cetera. That's alarming. Uh, I've heard from some of the people that are on the, I guess, right side of the spectrum or conservative side of the spectrum that had previous blue check marks that they escalated uh, their uh, follower counts and their retweets. I haven't seen any difference whatsoever. <laughs> not, yeah. not any. And I have a, you know, I have a pretty sizable account for somebody without a blue check mark. Certainly yeah. not a conservative. So I'm skeptical as to the algorithm changing at all. I, I think that as long as the mainstream media is willing to go along with the narrative that somehow. Twitter makes a huge uh, difference in our elections, in our society, and in our culture. They'll stick with it. And I, I don't know if it's necessarily being set up uh, to set Elon up as some kind of savior of free speech. I think that that illusion may be there as he uh, replatforms certain people. We'll see what happens if Donnie T or anybody else gets on there. But I think you'll see, still see the same kind of backdoor algorithms that don't allow certain information to go truly viral. And you'll mm -hmm. see shadow banning still as a practice. Until I see um, any evidence that that has been curbed, I don't buy into any of it. Hey, maybe that all happens. Mm -hmm. And Elon just keeps going with his brain chips and his robots. He's still not a good guy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 the bar has been set so low that if just basic free speech on a digital platform that's on your phone is the biggest you know deal and the best thing since sliced bread we're in big trouble yeah totally man i agree i agree so uh so with the transhumanism piece of this so we talked about a little bit earlier i was getting into a conversation with somebody and they were like i don't know what like what's your evidence for this you know what i mean and so uh 
you know, wh- where would you steer somebody? Like what information, what little nugget of information would you steer? Let's say my, my friend was watching right now. What information would you steer them towards to help elucidate them to the fact that, you know, actually we are uh, experiencing this, uh, this like the, the they want to like phase out humanity, integrate us with machines and move on to like a silicone based future. Like what would be your uh, point to point them towards? Well, the first thing I would say to him is that transhumanism is really two different things yeah. uh, for, for the very wealthy, uh, the people at the top, the predator class. It really is this idea that you can find a fountain of youth uh, that many people have looked for for centuries. Right. Um, I forget what Aronofsky film it is, but they have that side story of the conquistador looking for the tree of life, which is really immortality and it's been discussed forever. Well, a certain sect, you can watch Jared Kushner talk about how he believes his generation is going to be the last to die or the first to live forever. And that's through biomimetics, uh, bio nanotech, and largely you would stay in your own skin. Now, there is another version of this where you merge with machines. And uh, for your friend, I would tell him to look into a guy named Ray Kurzweil that literally mm-hmm. wrote the initial books on these, including The Age of Spiritual Machines, where he talks about the fact that human beings will eventually create entities that will look like humans, act like humans, and have the memories of humans that their digital consciousness is cloned into. He doesn't make the case whether or not in those books um, they're actually conscious, but Ray Kurzweil has been uh, extremely accurate in his predictions. That doesn't mean he gets everything right. Uh, He's just one of the people. I, I would also tell your friend that they believe him so much that he was put in charge of the immortality division over at Google called Calico over a decade ago. Wow. Um, I see. I didn't know they didn't know they had a, they have an immortality division at Google. I didn't oh, know. Oh, they, they do, yeah. my friend. So wow, you can, anybody wild. can go to uh, calicolabs.com. This is their uh, website right here. It's no secret. Life <laughs> in Calico is about science, and science is our life. Um, so this is it. I mean, Kurzweil is the head of Calico Labs. Okay. So while Kurzweil tells you about all these mind clones and digital doppelgangers and entities, he's also working on the end of actually biologically living forever. Uh, there's another person I would encourage people to check out, Martine Rothblatt, who's kind of at both ends of the spectrum. Martine Rothblatt is the CEO of, of United Therapeutics. United Therapeutics um, does xenotransplantation, which, again, could empower humanity. This is growing uh, organs in pigs right now that can be used in surgeries uh, of importance, such as your lungs, your heart, your kidneys, but also wrote the books Unzip Genes in 1997, From Transgender to Transhuman in 2011. This is the most powerful transgender person on the planet, Mm. uh, actually founded serious radio as martin rothblatt and then digital human uh or i'm sorry virtually human the promises and perils of uh digital immortality here those books are uh in in order here's from transgender to transhuman a manifesto of the freedom of form here is uh virtually human and unzip genes and unzip genes uh back in the 90s it was being advocated that natural birth needed to end and that we need to take charge of that. So 
I mean, I think that's insane. That takes away, obviously, every aspect of the nuclear family and traditional values. And in From Transgender to Transhuman, uh, the very first chapter is called Billions of Sexes. Not billions of people, billions of sexes. And that marking uh, a human being down as a boy or a girl based on a doctor looking at their small genita genitalia, which is an, a biological accident, will be looked at like South African apartheid, mm -hmm. where they mark black or white on someone's ID card. Pure madness. Oh my God. Yeah. And you've got, you know, you've got some pretty, uh, empower or impactful videos of Martine speaking at conferences. Right. And I'm like, Oh man, like every time like, I've heard you play them multiple times, I'm like, damn dude, like that's, uh, that's insane. And it's like, they're not messing around. Like, uh, this is, this is full steam ahead. You know, we're, we're in the middle of it. Like, like Joan says, like we are in the new world order. You know what I mean? Like welcome to the new world order. Like we're in, we're watching it happen in real time. You know, it's fascinating to watch, but, uh, you mean, I mean, so there's so much overlap between like the transgender agenda and this transhumanist agenda, you know, and I feel like it's like this incremental tiptoe forward to kind of, again, you know, like what kind of what you alluded to there, you know, like, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. And so they're like, okay, well, there is no God and these are all mistakes and we need to assume the role of God and correct all of these imperfections that have, uh, you know, just been cast down into this world. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it's kind of, it's insane. But what are your thoughts on the trans, the transgender agenda being like the stepping stone towards this ultimate transhumanist agenda? Well, that's exactly what it is. Even Ray Kurzweil himself has a female uh, persona that he refers to as Ramona, which is in the virtual world. And after we get past the bio nano era of society, uh, which we are currently in, they plan on taking us into the virtual age. And when I say us, I mean the vast majority of the populace. That's why the World Economic Forum has also um, partnered with the metaverse, because the idea is for you to disassociate yourself from your biology and convince you that you're a cog in a machine, you're a zero or one. That's what non-binary really is, that you live in the metaverse or the multiverse and free will isn't a thing or you're in a simulation. Now, you look at this document here, and, and I refer to it all the time, Future Strategic yeah. Issues and Warfare, circa 2025, and you get down to the eras of humankind. And you look at this thing, and by the way, right here, they already say that they need to take hold of the genomic design and repair of the human species. They talk about cross species, molecular breeding and directed evolution. It's a feature in this directed right. evolution. That, that reminds me of something we uh, heard about a long time ago, the kind of eugenics, maybe something like that. Right. It's all yeah. eugenics. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. 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 Um, but at the end of the day, they don't know how long the bio nano era is going to last. They say it's going to begin in 2020. This mm. is a, july 2001 pre 9 11 document <laughs> now i i tell people you think these guys aren't on track or they're behind or we're winning they started injecting billions of people with bio nanotech in those vector-based and mrna shots no matter what you believe they were period so somehow that prediction was true the virtual era itself uh to me is the idea that they're going to trick most of the populace into euthanizing themselves yes. and living inside of these simulations. Have you seen um, the Amazon series Upload? No, I have not. So not that it's super fantastic or anything, but its premise 
um, is based in a not so distant future where people who are living in cities are living in dormitory style uh, living. They're constantly in the virtual arena. They're eating the printed food. They have no water pressure. The cars aren't owned and they're all autonomous. And you upload your consciousness into these virtual worlds that are kind of tokenized. In other words, there are separate tiers to where you get to live virtually. But the gag is, and I don't want to ruin it, uh, but I'm going to. Go ahead. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> the, the gag is in the very first episode when you see how somebody is uploaded, right? Basically, this machine comes down and vaporizes your entire head to <laughs> upload your uh, consciousness up into the machine. And then if you're rich enough, you're put on ice, your body is, so that one day uh, they can put you back in your body and regrow your head. Um, it, you know, it, so this whole premise is about us merging with the machines and living in these virtual environments. And the, the man that authored this, this is the chief scientist of NASA, Dennis Bushnell. Uh, he was around all the way back in the Gemini days. That's pre-Apollo. He's still the chief scientist of NASA. And I've, if you've watched my clips, I've also got him on camera saying things like, not only did, have they already put brain chips in 200,000 people as of 2018, but at the end of the day, you end up with human contaminated machines. Oh, if, that, if that's where we're directing evolution, I certainly don't want to be a part of it. I think that we can strive for something better as human beings, as a humanity, than human contaminated machines or essentially non-carbon-based life forms. It's just so shocking, man. And then, like, you know, you see that you hear the same rhetoric from uh, Yuval Noah Harari, right? He's like uh, the futurist for the World Economic Forum who has, you know, a big, big voice out there, you know? And then I just direct people to him. Like, you, you think, I'm not making this stuff up. Like, listen to this guy. Like, he's, like, literally saying what the plan is out loud. And, and you know, I know he, a lot of people, a lot of the criticism is like, well, you know, he's just looking into the future or just speculating about what could be, you know? But it's like, these are, like, agendas that are driving forward. It's very, very clear. You know, and it all revolves around the death of humanity, right? Like you, you kind of mentioned it there. Actually, I heard Jones talking about it yesterday. Like, and, and it's something I've seen pop up, you know, over the years, but it's like really the what the, what he highlighted is just like the world is getting so bleak and dismal and people with disabilities are having a really hard time like finding housing. And so now those people are being offered suicide. <laughs> like, does your life suck? Are you having trouble affording housing? Are you do you have back problems? Hey, how about this? You could just opt into like a suicide, a government assisted suicide program, you know, and that's just par for the course, you know, sterilize, lobotomize suicide, right? It's just like, it's just disgusting. Like, did you hear about this? Have you looked into that at all? The new oh, yeah, uh, push no, for the suicide yeah. movement yeah. has been around for some time. Yeah. And uh, I remember being at InfoWars when that slippery slope started to develop where they were building these machines. And uh, obviously I also come from the era of Jack Kevorkian, mm -hmm. Dr. Death. Yeah, I remember um, that. Yeah, And, you know, as a kid, I'm watching this guy and the media spin was, you know, they'd go with Jack Kevorkian and be somebody that was suffering so much. And you'd see this heart-wrenching story and be like, all right, I understand why this person wants to take their life. Then later on, you see some of the artwork that Jack Kevorkian was involved in. And it's some of the most demonic, disturbing stuff. You wonder what this guy's real motivations were. And then 
you saw the politics change to, oh, well, they don't necessarily have to be in the most pain to now we've moved the goalpost in some areas where you can simply be diagnosed with depression and they will okay a euthanasia for somebody in their 20s or 30s. This is insanity and this is the dehumanization of our modern societies. Again, trying to impose on us that we aren't worth anything, we aren't special, and that you are probably better off getting rid of yourself or your baby or unborn baby at that uh, point because we're all we're all bad for the planet. That's where it mm-hmm. all comes back to. Even that document back there. Yeah. Well, what do they what do they say? What's their big deal? Oh, we have to do this. We have to do this because we've destroyed the planet. Mm-hmm. If that's always the excuse. We're, we're we're the ones that are destroying the planet. It's right here, the same place with the right here. Uh, global warming, pollution, deforestation, huge public work. You look at what the Club of Rome says, mm-hmm. we're the problem. That's why the narrative, the great narrative, if you will, pushed away from actual pollution in our water systems, in our air, actual dangers to our ecosystems, our food systems through genetically modified organisms into what? Carbon, which is a life force on the planet. Why? because they need to blame the vast majority of the populace and fool them into believing they need to basically curb their standard of living and adhere to this new model or they're, they're an eco-terrorist. That'll, that'll come up too. I mean, they'll move it from just white supremacist to eco-terrorist. We've not seen the last of these Bernaysian talking points and labels in this movement. Yeah, that's a really good point. The eco-terrorism angle. That's, I mean, obviously we've heard that, you know, I, I lived in Oregon my whole life. You know, there's like people putting like spikes in trees, which are crazy because then you take that tree to the mill and then the spike hits the saw blade, the saw blade blows up and kills all the people working on the machine. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's so it's like, it's crazy shit. But like, so the idea of eco-terrorism, you know, that's been around forever, but in the framing of this, so this is something that, you know, we've been talking I've been asking, you know, people here and there, it's like, so with COVID, it was the mask. The mask was the symbol of, you know, fealty to like the, the COVID regime or like, I'm a good person. I'm a good citizen. I have my mask on. Right. And those who didn't, you know, oh my gosh, you are like literally killing people. Like you are the worst terrorist in the world. And so, you know, I'd imagine as this climate situation rolls forward and becomes kind of like, it's going to take all the air out of the room eventually, you know, it's going to all shift to that being their means of just battering us down like they did with covid uh, you know the eco-terrorists like all of us who don't comply will be the eco-terrorists but what do you think in the climate paradigm is going to be the equivalent of the mask the thing that's going to label those who are going along with it versus those that aren't going along with it i know it's kind of an interesting que- a big question but you know i think they'll end up being some type of an identifier um, yeah. I'm, you know, almost like the star of David, but digital, yeah. uh, a digital one. Yeah, exactly. Of, you know, this person is still eating meat or whatever they're trying to demonize at that moment. Um, especially if we get to the point of human brain interfaces. So that yeah. may be something that's just an overlay in augmented reality, or they get people, uh, more accustomed, say they don't get the human brain interfaces to devices like Google glass, where again, that augmented reality is there. So, you could have varying levels or colors or auras. Uh, I think they could get pretty creative with it. You know, who yeah. knows what that will be? Um, you know, that the mask was in the works for a very long time. Every once in a while, 
I play this uh, piece from, I think it was ABC News in 2008 called Earth 2100. Have you ever heard of this? I, I think so. I think so. But uh, but which one was it again? Where, where it's like talking about, well, but but remind me, but I believe I've seen something similar to that where they paint some, it's like a cartoon where they, it's like, hey, I'm going to work and I like do this. It's someone like narrating their daily routine or something like that. Exactly. It was basically yeah. going through um, the next 100 years. I have it right here. Let's see if I can bring yeah, it up without totally. total distraction. Let's see. Yes, here it is. Okay, awesome. So what you're about to see is the first literal 10 seconds of this thing where they predict that I've lived through New York under full quarantine. And then you have a slew of people in these blue masks to fight a pandemic. Let's just show this to folks. It's, okay. it's pretty uh, amazing. In my life, I've seen New York City under full quarantine. The Midwest overrun, devastated by pests. Plague sweep across California. And, and there you go. And that's just the beginning. And all the players are here. James Woolsey of the CIA, Eric Schmidt of Google, Tony Fauci, um, Skippy, a.k.a. John Podesta, Van Jones, and others all promoting this ideal set. And if you watch this thing all the way through, you'll see that it's really not only the agenda of your life, um, basically having uh, less and less value in your standard of living going down more and more, but the environment just continually getting worse and worse. And I would argue that what you're seeing is in over 100 years, this is what they wanted to do over the next 20 to 30 years to control people, not because they want to stop global warming or climate change. They want to utilize fear. For instance, Fauci's in there talking about how climate change is going to give rise to all these new viruses and dangerous pandemics. And what did they try to adhere to? That this was some kind of a zoological event with COVID-1984, when even the most cursory of research showed this thing was made in a lab and was a bioweapon. And in my opinion, was not leaked, was actually seeded across the planet. Yeah, man, absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking of, uh, okay, so we talked a little bit about this earlier. I just want to get your final thoughts on on this here as we're kind of winding down here. So I've heard some coverage about it. I don't know if you've covered it yet, but uh, the idea of like, I think it was uh, Josh Sigurdsson. I saw him talking about it. It's like the idea of the new, like a new like asset class basically being created around like, you know, every single blade of grass, every single, uh, I think on no agenda, they talked about it too. But you know what I'm talking about where they're trying to like develop this new, uh, like blockchain based, like uh, derivatives market or something like that, that kind of labels and, 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 and tokenizes like every single physical thing out there to track and trace and to monetize it so that they can then like exchange. Uh, have you heard anything about this? You know what I'm talking yeah, about? This is yeah. actually talked about in, uh, let's see if I can bring it up in that same document okay. through nanotechnology and nanosensors and nanotags. So, uh, basically, they talk about putting these into the food supply and mm -hmm. your clothing. And what once you have that, you have a total uh, track trace database society of everything. So here you see it right here, uh, automating industry, agriculture, the IT uh, bio nano industry, agriculture. That's putting these devices, okay, nano computing and these sensors into everything. They call them living factories, uh, self-assemblers. I want to get to the part. There's nanosats. Um, there's the micro sensors. Okay. 
Uh, they talk about biocrime right there, binary pathogens, genetics. Uh, but I want I want the food supply one. You know what, what we'll do? I know exactly where it is. So it says yeah. right there, it's inexpensive to put binary biologics into the food supply. Mm. So once you have that and everything has some kind of a genetic uh, marker on it, right? These nano tags. Mm -hmm. You can regimate everything. It's not just the internet of bodies. It's the internet of life itself on the planet. And you are going to be able to um, blockchain or tokenize every blade of grass out there. That's that's the insanity of this. You know, as long as it can get down to a level where you can tag it with these nano sensors and tags, they can be read and then they can be monetized. And when they tell you you'll own nothing and you'll be happy, or like in this document, the equalization of the haves and have nots, what they're not telling you, and that's right here, right? And I want people to notice that uh, they, they really uh, plan on stabilizing the entire world population in this as well. They forget to tell you about the have everythings. Mm. So, yeah, they're going to take a lot away from the haves and the have-nots, but there's still going to be that class of have-everythings at the very, very top. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, well, thanks. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. And all of these things are just to take more freedom from us. You know, it's like this is not to empower humanity. Like, they package it in this way where it sounds all fluffy and sustainable. And, yeah, it's great, you know, but really it's deliberately taking more of our freedoms. And, you know, I think that's – you know, the important thing is like figuring out how to break through to get to the, get the point out. Like this is not for our benefit. Like these are just basically like they talk about how like to combat climate change is going to take more money than exists in the world. Well, who's getting all that money? Like, where is that money? Where do you think that money is going? Is it going to you? Is it going to your neighbors, is it going to your community? It's not. No, this this is like this is just literally just more of the same. Just power and money grabs. You know, that's literally all it is like giving them excuses to rain over you and take all of your freedom. You know, it's just, it's just crazy. So I don't know, man. So, um, I do have a uh, one super chat here. Uh, Jazzbo says, let's talk about the spraying of our skies, bro. It's out of control. Cheers. My brothers. So what are you, what are your thoughts? Do they spray hard out there in Iowa? Um, it certainly happens here. It's not as bad yeah. as it was yeah. in upstate New York, but I would encourage your, uh, your super chatter there to check out my film shade, the motion picture. It actually starts with that very subject, uh, this is a film I did on bioengineering, geoengineering in particular, and solutions put out in 2013, uh, where I have a 20-minute section on Bill Gates, why he's not your best bot buddy, his involvement in geoengineering, uh, bioengineering, Monsatan, and hating live shots all the way back then. So we do talk about that, and I think that's maybe my best uh, documentary film out there. It's under 90 minutes. It's totally free. I'd encourage everybody to check it out. That's awesome, man. So, uh, well, so also in the chat, big shout out to Colleen, Pedro, and Audis. Like, you know, those are my super listeners there. So, well, what are you working on next, Jason? You got any other projects coming up? Any other, like, okay, let's say you had uh, about 20 more hours in a day, and you could make another documentary feature film. Like, what would, what would, you, what would be your focus? What would you be interested in? Um, you know, as far as documentary films go, I'm always interested in mind control, but obviously transhumanism is the issue of the day. Uh, that would be what I worked on. Uh, there are a couple mini documentaries I may get out there. Uh, but at the end of the day, those things take so long. You could yeah. sit there and you can edit for an hour or two hours and you got a minute to look at maybe, maybe less, you know, 
at least with this live, uh, I'm off the cuff. I make me, I may make mistakes, but you just push through it. Just like I just did. Right. I stumble. Yeah. I fell. I got back up. Editing is much, much different. Uh, who knows if I'm going to ever return to that field of documentary filmmaking. Uh, but it's certainly in the back of my mind. Uh, I am going to continue to uh, make these videos again. The morning show is 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. four days a week. We're still making videos on Friday, uh, Saturday and Sunday. And then the premium section, which is the second hour, actually after every two weeks is also released to the public. So uh, I'll be reposting a lot of that stuff as well. Awesome, man. So, so yeah, tell us about Red Voice Media then. Like, uh, tell us a little bit about what, who they are, what they are, and uh, maybe how you got fixed up with them. Yeah, you know, I'm really lucky. Um, my girlfriend's just awesome. She works over at the Gateway Pundit. Nice. She does amazing work for them. Alicia Powell uh, is fantastic and has had a lot of connections, I guess, in, in conservative circles now for years through that outlet. And I'll, I'll be honest, it was just we were trying to figure out what the next move was. Uh, I love Rockfin to death, uh, but it wasn't really panning out as much as it had in the past. Mm -hmm. And I had to figure out something to do, you know, to make some more money. My girlfriend got on the phone with a couple different outlets. I had a couple conversations behind the scenes. I even interviewed with Gateway Pundit, believe it or not. Nice. And uh, this one outlet, Red Voice Media, right out of the gates made me an offer. And uh, the initial offer was to do just one video every week uh, under their banner that was premium, right? And I continue to do my other stuff. The guy that runs... Uh, Red Voice Media, Ray Dietrich, really enjoyed my stuff, was unaware of a lot of the things that I covered. Uh, traditionally, uh, Red Voice had been a pretty conservative outlet. And, you know, just talking to him behind the scenes, it, it was very clear to him that I was not a conservative. Didn't matter. Um, you know, they gave me the green light to do and say anything I wanted and talk any way I pleased. And literally within the first month of uh, putting this stuff out and him watching my other content, he wanted to expand with me. So um, right away, I said I wanted to do this morning show. We worked out the kinks over the next month, and within a two-month time period, we're rocking and rolling now four days a week. Uh, there's other great people on there. Pat Militich just mm -hmm. launched his new show with Jeffrey nice. Wilson, formerly nice. of the Conspiracy Farm. They're over there. Um, Alicia Powell, my girlfriend, recently um, interviewed Ty Clevenger, did a great piece on Seth Rich. So there's a ton of other great content over there. Uh, but they've allowed me to kind of be the daily voice of Red Voice Media, uh, which is hilarious because, again, I'm not a conservative. I'm not a Republican. But I do think that, um, you know, the content that I bring and the voice that I bring to this stuff is hot fire. That's awesome, man. That's really cool, man. So what 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 is it again? Every 8 to 10, you said? 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern time. And I'm Eastern on, time. Uh, yeah, and I'm a central guy, too. I'm getting up at 5 in the morning to get these shows done. Damn, so yeah. uh, please come out and support me. And the other thing that's great is even if you don't want to come over to the second hour of premium and pay for it, we broadcast the audio live on Podbean and okay. via the Podbean app. If you'd like, you can actually call into the show. See, that's amazing. See, I use Podbean too, but I've never used that integration at all. Like I just upload my MP3s when I'm done. So I might, I, I keep hearing you say that. I'm like, how the hell does he do that? So I'll have to look at it. I that. have the ultra premium yeah. account, which also yeah. lets me upload video after the fact. Oh, too. Well, wow. you okay. stream video live, but you can put video podcasts up there as well. That's cool. And I'm always like picking your brain about XSplit. I, I need to look into that one of these days. So that's awesome, man. You do. Well, that's shoot. how we run the show here. I actually got a brand yeah. new, the first time I've utilized this new webcam. 
Uh, the Avermedia PW513. You guys tell me whether you think it's better than the uh, traditional Logitech C920. Yeah, yeah, and I remember when I asked you back in the day, what do you use, man? And you're like, C920. I'm like, what? That's what I use, but my sh mine looks like shit compared to yours. It's not fair. So anyway, yeah, that's awesome, man. Looks great, dude. Uh, you're just crushing as usual. Just keep up the amazing work. Uh, super stoked that, uh, you know, this that's new opportunities open for you. Hopefully you can reach new audiences and get this information out there. So, uh, and you guys, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Jason Burmis. Uh, website here is Rebunk News. Go give it a follow, and uh, I'll see you guys next time. Peace. All right.